Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. Since 1934, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. Please stay tuned for another lesson on this program by Jeff Archie. Are you listening? Thank you very much, Jay, and what a blessed day to come together and to be blessed from a study of the Word of God. Let us have the zeal of the psalmist who said in Psalm 119 and verse 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. There are some wondrous things that await us momentarily. But first, dear listeners, we would be honored if you followed us on social media to keep up with all the happenings of the International Gospel Hour. For our Facebookers out there, please take a moment and like our page, International Gospel Hour. And if you prefer, you can follow us on Instagram at International Gospel Hour as well. We are also on Twitter at our underscore gospel. These are just the tools that we use to keep communication flowing, to take requests that we receive. Most recently, we received a request for a Bible correspondence course of someone who was on our Facebook page and sent us a private message. We also received a message concerning material in Africa. We're able to address those things as well as we possibly can, and we will do our very best. We would love to hear from you. So please take a moment, follow us on social media, and we'll keep you updated with all the great things the Lord is doing with our work at the International Gospel Hour. In our previous broadcast, we noted some things concerning the phrase, something is wrong, but the Bible is right. It is clear when one looks around the religious world today, something is wrong. When two different answers are given for the same mathematical problem, it is evident one or the other is wrong. Both four and five cannot be correct answers to the problem of two plus two. It is conceivable both may be wrong, but one must be wrong. That same reasoning indicates something is wrong in the religious world when there are so many contradictory answers to questions which address the welfare of the soul. Dear friends, we submit to you that we are blessed in days of such confusion to have the Bible. The world truly is fortunate because people do not have to rely on others when it comes to finding the answers to their religious questions. We can rely on the Bible... For those answers, and the Bible is always right. The Bible is right because it is the Word of God, as we note from 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. We also note that the Bible is right because God's Word is truth, as noted from John 17 and verse 17. And not only does the Bible give the right answers, but it answers all the questions one needs to ask. The Apostle Paul confirmed in 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The great need today is for people to take their Bibles in hand and let God give them the right answers. So today, when we consider the thought 
Something is wrong, but the Bible is right. Let us take our Bibles in hand, if you will, and let's continue our thoughts and consider the Bible is right about the church. When we think about the Bible is right about the church, let's consider the following. What connection is there between the church and salvation? Many contend the church has nothing to do with salvation. A lot has been said about unsaved church members and saved non-church members. Some questions are in order, and again, we must let the Bible supply the answers. Number one, does the church save? The Bible teaches Jesus is the one who saves. Matthew one twenty one says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So, dear friends, no, the church does not save. Question number two. Can one be saved outside the church? The Bible teaches all the saved are in the church. In Acts 2 and verse 47, the Bible says, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Since the Lord adds to the church the saved, one must conclude there are none saved outside the church. Those who are saved from their sins are those who will gladly receive God's word and obey it just like those on Pentecost. What did those people do to become members of the church? Following Peter's preaching in Acts 2 verses 14 and following, Luke recorded beginning with Acts 2 and verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls, concluding with verse 41 of Acts 2. Peter told the people how to receive the remission of sins, and those who gladly received his word were baptized and added to the church, Acts 2.47. Membership in the Lord's church is not a matter of popular vote by those who are members. God adds those who have been saved to the church, and He does not add any who have not been saved. Yes, one must be a member of the church to be saved, because only the saved are members of the church. A clear concept of what the church is will make that fact apparent. Dear friends, the church is the body of Christ, and He is the Savior of the body. The Bible affirms, and he is the head of the body, the church, Colossians 1.18. Paul spoke of the church, which is his body, Ephesians 1.22 and 23. And later he adamantly observed Jesus to be the Savior of the body, Ephesians 5.23. Therefore, the church is the body which Christ proposed to save, and one must be a member of the church to gain salvation. Also, the church is the house of God. Paul spoke of the house of God, which is the church of the living God, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15. 
Paul called the saved the children of God in Galatians 3, 26 and 27, and parallel with that, Galatians 1, 1 and 2, making all the saved members of God's house or His family. Understanding God's house is the church, and we can affirm all of God's children are members of His church. Those who think the church is unimportant and unnecessary should remember the words from Ephesians 5.25 that Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. And Paul described the church as being that which He purchased with His own blood, Acts 20.28. The precious blood of our Lord is vested in the church, and no one should believe He paid such a price for an unnecessary and unimportant institution. The Bible clearly teaches... One must be a member of the blood-bought body, the church, to be saved. Now we ask the question, which brings to mind to a lot of folks, which church? Which church is the right church? That is an often asked question, dear friends. The vast number of different churches present a confusing and deplorable situation, and many advise Join the church of your choice, as though it makes no difference which one is chosen. The differences existing between the various churches are undeniable proof that some are wrong. When one contradicts the other, one must be wrong. Right-thinking people will desire to be members of the right church, which is right. The right church is the one you read about in the Bible. The Bible speaks of only one church, and a multiplicity of churches from which to choose is completely foreign to the teaching of the Bible. Christ promised to build one church. In fact, He said in Matthew 16:18, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Christ did not promise to build churches, as in the plural, Instead, he said, My church, which is singular, and true to his promise, Christ built one church, Acts chapter 2. Christ purchased only one church, Acts 20, verse 28. And he loves the one church for which he died, Ephesians 5:25. At no time in the history of humanity did he ever promise to build or purchase a plurality of churches. To justify the great number of different churches in the world today, some have made the point of the Bible speaking of the church in the plural sense. The Bible does not speak about the churches of Galatia, or rather we should say that the Bible does speak about the churches of Galatia, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, the church at Ephesus, Revelation 2, verse 1, the church in Smyrna, Revelation 2, verse 8, among others. However, those congregations were all part of the same universal church and did not present differences in name, teaching, or headship. They only differed in location. They were simply different congregations of the one church. The different names by which the church is identified in the Bible indicate the church's non-denominational character. For instance, as previously mentioned, the church is called the house of God in 1 Timothy 3.15 that pictures the church as God's family. But no one would suggest God has many families. The church is called the body 
in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. But the same letter asserts there is one body in Ephesians 4, 4. The picture drawn by inspiration is of a bride who Christ sanctified and cleansed that he might present it unto himself. Ephesians 5, 25-27 Who is willing to charge the Lord with polygamy? There is one bride, one body, and one family. Those are biblical truths because God provided them to the world, and those who love truth will never deny the words of God. The right church is the one spoken of in the Bible, and any church which is not spoken of in the Bible and, not, and cannot rather trace its beginning to Acts chapter 2 is not the right church. Secondly, the right church is the one with the right beginning. The church Christ promised to build had its beginning in the city of Jerusalem on the first Pentecost after the resurrection, Acts chapter 2. And from that day forward, the Bible speaks of the church as being in existence, Acts 2, verse 47, and Acts 20, and verse 28. The church was not an afterthought or a plan B. In fact, everything about the church was according to plan, as we note in Ephesians 3.11. Hundreds of years before the church was established, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 2, 2 and 3, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And according to Scripture, Jesus instructed the apostles that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, Luke 24:47. Any church which had its beginning at some other place or some other time, dear friends, cannot be the right church. Number three, the right church wears the right name. The church is the bride of Christ, and it is proper for the bride to wear the name of the husband. Christ is the head of the body, and it is right for the body to wear the name of the head. Christ said in Matthew 16:18, "I will build my church, therefore it is his and should wear his name." To the Romans, Paul announced, "The churches of Christ salute you." Romans 16:16. 16, 16. However, there are other scriptural names by which the church can be called, such as the church of God in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2. But those other designations do not rob Christ of the honor and respect due Him in His church. Names mean something. They help designate and identify. And if one cannot find the name of a given church in the Bible, the evidence points to it not being the right church. Number four. The right church is the one that recognizes the right authority. God has given Christ absolute authority over the church described in the New Testament. Paul said, God hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Ephesians 1, 22. 
and his law is the law of the New Testament, of which he is the mediator, Hebrews 9, verse 15. Human wisdom cannot be trusted to devise laws for Christ's church. Paul warned in Colossians 2, beginning with verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. However, many in the world have rejected the notion of being complete in Christ alone, and have made additions to God's word through their traditions, creeds, church manuals, disciplines, and a multitude of other materials. Not only do they deny the completeness of Christ, they also introduce doctrines which are contrary to the law of Christ, outright rejecting the statement made by Peter in Second Peter 1 and verse 3, that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Any church which bases its authority in a creed, a pope, a council, or anything outside of Christ, dear friends, is the wrong church. Let's pause here, and before we continue, dear friend, have we gained your interest concerning the things said today? Would you like to know more about the church we have been discussing? We'd like to send to you, absolutely free, a complete script of this broadcast. We will send it in simple tract form, and it is titled, Something is Wrong, But the Bible is Right. All you need to do is call us toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988. That's 1-855-444-6988. And leave us your name and address and say, please send me the track. That's it. Again, one 855 444-6988 and leave us your name, address, and simply say, please send me the tract. And dear friends, we will also add, absolutely free, a Bible correspondence course you may study in the privacy of your own home. That's right. With every track requested, we will add a Bible study absolutely free for you to try at no expense. If you like the Bible study, Continue to answer, send it back, and we will continue and keep you in that study. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com and leave us your name and address and simply put, mail me the track in the comments. You will also receive the Bible studies as well. We want all of us to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to return back to the Bible and study this together. We would love to share this material with you, so let us hear from you. And now, let's continue our thought concerning something is wrong, but the Bible is right as we discuss the church. Next, Christ must direct the worship of the church. Under the apostles' guidance, the members of the early church engaged in the following acts or avenues of worship. In Acts 20 and verse 7, they observed the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, they gave of their means. In Colossians 3 and verse 16, they sang. In Acts 2 and verse 42, they prayed. In Acts 2 and verse 42, they taught. God's plan of worship cannot be altered without denying the authority of Christ 
and to introduce other items or to omit those which are specified will render the worship of God as vain. Jesus warned in Matthew 15, verse 9, But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. The Bible has affirmed, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son, Second John 9. Those who use mechanical instruments in the worship transgress the authority of Christ. When the Lord's Supper is omitted from the worship on the first day of the week, or when God's leadership roles are not honored, it is done by the authority of human wisdom and without regard for the authority of Christ. It is widely taught worship rendered in sincerity is acceptable. But Jesus said God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. To worship in truth is to worship according to God's Word, and Jesus commanded in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. When we consider the passages of John 4, verse 24, and John 17, 17, dear friends, the true worship of God requires is simple, free from the pomp and ceremony so apparent in most denominations today. We submit to you that Christ must direct the work of the church. As the body of Christ, the church is tasked with accomplishing the work of Christ. Its greatest work is preaching the gospel of Christ. And Paul spoke of the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, 1 Timothy 3.15. Therefore, it is the obligation of the church to uphold and support the truth, determining to preach the gospel to the whole world, Mark 16.15 and 16. The work of the church also includes the benevolent work of ministering to the poor, as we note from Galatians 6.10 and Acts 2.43-45. Members of the Lord's church should always enjoy each other's company and look forward to times of fellowship. However, it must be understood, the church of Christ is not an institution whose focus is on entertainment or social function. The church is not in the entertainment and recreation business. Instead, the church's main objective is to help save the souls of the lost. Christ has never directed the church to shift its focus from the salvation of souls into other endeavors, which so many churches have done. Christ must direct the terms of membership in His church. Churches that have their beginnings with men have man-made terms of membership, Often, it is the telling of an experience of grace or the signing of a card, etc. But Christ is the authority over the church that He built, and He directs the terms of membership, which are the same as His terms of salvation. When one believes, repents, confesses Christ, and is baptized, he or she is forgiven of sins. At that point, the Lord adds that person to His church, Acts 2.47. Any church that fails to teach the biblical terms of salvation and church membership is not the right church. Number five, the right church is the one that has heaven as its destiny. Many claim a person does not need to be a member of the church to go to heaven, but any church of which one does not have to be a member to go to heaven is unnecessary, and it is the wrong church because the right church is a congregation of the saved, Acts 2.47. The church is the kingdom of Christ, Colossians 1.13, and when Christ comes again, He will deliver the kingdom up to God. Paul said, 
Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 24. Dear friends, the Church of Christ in your community invites your earnest investigation. You should find it coincides with the church you read about in your Bible and the church that had its beginning on the day of Pentecost. It glorifies and honors Christ, its founder and head, by wearing His name, and it recognizes the absolute authority of the law of Christ to direct its worship and work, and is faithful to proclaim His terms of pardon and church membership. We here on Are You Listening? of the International Gospel Hour will help you in your search, dear friends. We simply want to take the Bible and the Bible alone, and we will help you in seeking the Church of Christ in your community. You may let us know, and you may reach out to us, and we'll be glad to work with you toward that end. For emphasis, dear friends, as we bring our study to a close, let it be stated again, something is wrong, but the Bible is right. Let us have the attitude of Christ In John 5 and verse 39, when he said, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Let us then use the example of those Christians in Berea. The Bible says they were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the Word of God with readiness of mind, and search the Scriptures daily, whether those things are so. Acts seventeen ten and 11. In 2 Timothy two 15, we're taught to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And let us in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, be ready to give an answer unto everything that is asked of us, or whatever is asked of us, of the reason of the hope that is in us, with meekness and fear. The Bible, we understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10:17. Yes, dear friends, something is wrong, but the Bible is right. And let us always continue our search of the Scriptures to see God's will for our lives. With that being said, let's continue our study together, shall we? Thanks for joining me on the International Gospel Hour today. I'm Jeff Archie, and dear friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope, first, that it glorified God. But second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to, or to other lessons in this series by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. God be with you.